is where he came to hide When he ran from you In a private detective overcoat Dirty dead man's shoes The pretty things of Knightsbridge Lying for a minister of state Is a far cry from the northern wind Here at Tracer's Gate Cause the high Healy used to be Has been ground down And it listens for the footsteps That would follow him Number 110 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. All right, all right. Welcome to all of you. Jeff Emmerich passed away this week. Uh, he most famously engineered the Beatles' revolver and worked on and off with the Beatles' After that, but more importantly, my favorite Elvis Costello record, Imperial Bedroom, and my favorite Elvis Costello song, Man Out of Time. Thank you for coming in and ducking out for a moment from a a real sickening time to uh, be a person right now. Uh, Make sure that you're doing what you can to support yourself and others around you. This has been a grinding couple of weeks. I posted this on Twitter and, you know, would like to put it out on here. Any purchases made on our Bandcamp page, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com, I'll be donating the proceeds to the Voting Rights Project and matching that with a donation of my own to Rain. Try and help out how you can, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. Hope we're all keeping up eric frankel of rash is on the show this week this was a fun interview eric came over while jay was out of town i was home alone with the dogs and conducted an experiment in not leaving the house except to take the dogs on a walk overrated if you are considering it human contact grading as it can be sometimes it's kind of a good thing but it was nice getting the chance to use that time to have eric on the show As I've gone on with this, it's been interesting having friends of mine over. That's how I started. The people I know around Chicago made up such a heavy majority of the first 20 episodes of the show. They were so integral in me getting used to doing this, getting comfortable. And as I've gone on, I think it's become tougher to shift into the interviewing zone with people I've known for a while. That being said, I had a great deal of fun with my friend Eric, someone whose art I have a lot of respect for. Eric is a singer of Rash, a rock-solid hardcore band from Chicago that Eric started in the wake of his band Divine Right dissolving. Rash is an ugly, thrashy, hardcore band, very noisy, but also 
very catchy. These songs have very thick hooks at their center. Eric, for his part, is snarling, antagonistic. His lyrics often explore a similar ugliness to the noise that surrounds him. The homie gets dark in his portraits of life and what surrounds him. He's also a captivating presence to watch, an aspect of him that I was excited to discuss amongst other things, including his label, High Fashion Industries. A lot to talk about, so let's get to it. We'll start with the song. This is Hatchet, followed by my interview with Eric Frankel. Intimate, which is what we go for. I like being intimate. I've been home alone this weekend, so it's been a very intimate experience of reading uh, the WCW book, yeah, and listening to your records. And I the, should have brought you the LP. I have you the have, LP. Oh, you have the LP. Okay. Yeah, you made me pay for it at the at the uh, brew show. I made you pay for it. You sure did. Oh. Yeah. Why? I don't know. You know, I th- I thought show? it was the uh, Unsane show oh. with Bruges. Oh, Bruges show. I thought you said Bruised. Bruised. Oh, yeah. You know, I've never seen Bruised. Mm, they're pretty all right. Yeah. I used to live with Caesar in that band. Oh, okay. And he's done other stuff too, right? He was in 86 Gemini. Uh-huh. He's in that new band with Blake. I like Product KF. that 86 Gemini tape that you did high fashion do, industries i didn't do a tape for them i did a seven inch you did a seven inch right all right it had four songs on it, it might as well be a tape. if it wasn't a tape then it was the seven inch yeah. you're only in the you're only in the like high demand form of physical media what do you mean tapes seven inches yeah. all the things that, that everybody People buys love. you so what was it you were you started that label in 2013 mm-hmm. right yeah when did you what what made you decide to do that? Uh, I had some. I had. Wait, are, are we going? Are we recording? Oh, we're yeah. going, babe. Oh, so I had, like I had just gotten like my first actual like job on a TV show. Uh huh. And I I was like making more money than I'd ever made before, and I was like, I was like, it's oh. a good way to blow it. Yeah, I'm like, this is a great way to waste my money. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My rent was cheap, and I had like, I don't know. I like somehow like came across like that band of Kuzma on like Bandcamp and like I had gotten like I ordered the tape from them, no uh-huh. one cared about it. And like I was like, Wow, this is great, I love this. I and I had like they had sent me like when I ordered the tape they had sent me like a handwritten letter and I was like, Oh, this is really nice and they're up there, right? They're like they're on They're Prince Edward Island. Right. So it's right. like north of Maine. It's uh-huh. like I've always wanted to go there. 
Yeah. And like I wanted to go there like when they had told me they were going to stop being a band, but it's like tickets to go out there are so expensive. And it's like. You couldn't even like fly to what's up there, New Brunswick, and then take like, a ferry or something? I think. I don't think there is a fair. I don't know. Is there, yeah. There's some. I mean, kind of I, I looked at it on the map, and it's cl- it's close. Yeah. This is what I do basically: is that I find whatever like deep holes I can go down. Yeah. So like, you know, oh, we put out this this seven inch by a band called Akuzma. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Oh, Prince Edward Island. Where's that? I'm learning so much. Yeah. I had never heard of it either, and then like. I still keep in contact with the guys in the band and we were going to do a band together, but we just like never did. Uh-huh. Like it was going to be me singing and like all the guys in a Kuzma, like playing instruments and we had come up with a band name and they even got together and did like one practice uh-huh. and they sent me practice recordings and then like the drummer moved to Toronto. One of the guys moved like to Halifax, which is like, I think what like two hours away or something yeah and it was just like so hard for them to get together and so we just never did it what could have been what could have been and you were working what was the what was the job that was your first like so it was this lusty mom drama called uh betrayal Uh uh-huh on it was abc i remember that because it was like owned by dis abc is like owned by disney or whatever so i was always telling people i was getting paid by disney what were you doing so I I worked in the uh, I worked at mostly in the set decoration department. So uh-huh. like on that show specifically, I was like the shop guy. Mm-hmm. So we had like this huge like warehouse space where we kept all the furniture. It's like furniture, artwork, lighting fixtures. The uh, now is it is it Disney that keeps the shop or like Disney like hires your no so company? The, so so I I'm in a union and it's basically. It's like we're we're freelance, kind of. Uh huh. So it's like I'm an employee of them, right? But only for for the length of the show. So you're like a contractor. Contractor, but I still like. But you got that are, union, but, so you're you're so good. I'm good. You're taking care and they, of. They, they get they take their taxes out or whatever. So it's not like 1099 uh-huh. where I'm like tax at the end of the year, right? On everything I made. So yeah. it's like I'm an employee of theirs. Just for like eight months, huh? And then I don't have a job. And how did you get involved with that? What did you go to school for? I went to school for film. Oh, okay. So I originally like wanted to be a producer because uh-huh. I was like, oh yeah, I'll make all that money. And then I took an accounting class and I was like, right. this is awful. I don't okay. want to. Yeah, do this. yeah, yeah. And then I accounting's probably like the organic chemistry of uh, film production. Yeah, yeah, it's like. Oh, it's awful. It's uh-huh. Nice. All of this stuff that, like, you, you, I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I, just, I don't want to do paperwork. No, like, nobody really gets into, at least people that I know, um, when they think of, like, oh, I want to do movies, the production side of it, it's kind of, like, the, the part that nobody, like, knows about, knows all that much about. It's like, oh, I want to write or I want to direct. Yeah. So why production? Well, like, so... It was my freshman year of college, and like, I met I met some like this one dude who like was in the Chicago hardcore scene. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he was a senior, and I worked on his like thesis film or whatever. And like, he paired me up with like his good friend who did like what I, he did like props and like set dressing and stuff like that. Right. And so like I worked for him on that, and that guy was graduating too. And so 
when he graduated, he started hiring me on like really bad indie movies and like hell yeah. And it was like working for free, and it was just like doing what I do now, right? But on a smaller scale. So what did you go to school for originally? So I originally just went for film, and uh-huh. then I started specializing oh, okay. in. Gotcha. Then as I I started like making my own, I basically made my own major because Columbia didn't have a major for me. Right. So I was taking like fine art classes, like uh-huh. furniture making and sure. stuff like that, like trying to like make my own major. Right. So. That's dope. Were you always interested in like, uh, like I guess, furniture making, carpentry, shit like that? You were always doing stuff with your hands or was it like. Not, not really. I just really? like, I was like mostly self-taught and like uh-huh. my grandfather did it and like, but he never like taught me anything. And like, uh-huh. I just started going to school and like doing it and like. So, and then when I graduated, I got like an internship, like custom picture framing for this guy. And like, he was teaching me stuff and like making tabletops and like. Sure. So. Do you just pay, what was the movie? What was the movie that made you say, I want to go for film? Uh. Or what was the series of movies or who was the director? So I, I would have to say it was either, I think it was Hook. For real? Yeah, for real. It was like they made like an entire pirate village. Yeah, they I really don't know. Did. It was just like a good-looking movie. Like I don't know. It's like it's weird because that wasn't a successful movie. It at wasn't successful, but I think it's like it's not a cult classic. But it's just like aesthetically, it's like a good-looking movie. Mm-hmm. I like, always love the the pirate ship and like the area around it. Like that yeah. sword fight. The direction that all takes is super fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's like. And, like, their treehouse village. I mean, that was all, like, mm-hmm. it was all built. It was all, like, yeah. custom. And then, like, I don't know. There's, there's like, a string of, like, films that I like that are, like, probably not good movies. But stylistically and aesthetically, they're, like, Those good the looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to see Lawrence of Arabia tonight in yeah. the music box. Wait, didn't they remake that recently? I hope not. I th- maybe not. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Where did you grow up? So... I was born in New York, lived in New Jersey too. Where but, where in New York were you born? You were born in Long Island, right? No, I was uh-huh. born in New York City, Mount Sinai Hospital. Oh. And then we lived then we moved to Long Island after like I like after I was 1 years old. And then my mom passed away when I was 3. Okay. And then like a couple years later my dad remarried. Mm-hmm. We moved to New Jersey. Where in New Jersey? I lived in Wayne. Okay. And then they did like one of those trial separations. We moved to Florida, came back. We moved. You, your your dad and your stepmom. Yeah. How how old were you then? That's pretty quick. Yeah, I was. I don't know. Maybe like six. Do you remember your mom? I don't remember my mom at all. Yeah. Uh, I wish I did, but I don't. And it was like we we never. It's not even like we talk about her. The only way I know about my mom is like through my grandmother who just passed away. Oh, sorry to hear that. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. People die all the time. But uh, I mean, I, I lost no. I lost three grandparents last summer, so oh, yeah, like I nice. had all four of them. Yeah. And a, I only and got a, one left. Yeah. Yeah, me too now. It's raw. Yeah. Um but okay, so so you I mean, it's you're moving around a lot. It seems yeah. like a lot of but a like, lot of tumult. Well, Is it you, just you? Do you have siblings? I have a younger brother. He's uh autistic. Uh-huh. And he he's my biological brother. Uh, he was nine months when my mom passed away. Oh, okay. And so, 
But eventually my dad and my stepmom got divorced. Yeah. So my ex-stepmom. And then we moved to Florida. And I like was there for eight years until I moved here. Where in Florida? Uh, West Palm Beach. Okay. Like South Florida. What did your dad do? So originally my dad was like, when I was born, he owned a pizza place Mm -hmm. in Manhattan. What was it called? Pizza Court. Because it was right across the street from the courthouse. Nice. Jay is in New York right now and... My bit was, oh, when you go there, you got to go to Vinny's. It's right on the corner. Like, you, you get out of the subway, just go to Vinny's. It's the best New York slice. What subway? I, no, it's it's just, the corner on the subway. You just have to get off. Uh-huh. Just get off the subway. Just get off the subway. Just get a slice and a Coke. It's all you need. Yeah, it's like a deal. It's like two bucks for a slice and a Coke. Oh, yeah. Well, back in the day. Yeah. You know how it is. Yeah, my grandmother always used to go, it cost me a nickel to get on the subway. Boys used to take me to a hotel because they just wanted to see me in my bathing suit. <laughs> What's up? What's up? What's up, Grandma? You're in the bathing Sounds like suit. a good deal. Uh, <laughs> so you're cracking your body all the time. What do you, you see a chiropractor? What's going on here? I used to see a chiropractor, but just like, there's too much of a commitment to go every weekend. Yeah. So I just get a massage once a month. Oh, okay. I got to get in on that. I just get I just get tight in all different places yeah. at this point. Because I think you and I, you slouch. That's your thing, isn't it? I, you I and I not. both slouch. I, hope, I see I pictures of me. I see pictures of me sometimes, and I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> just like curling in. I'm like, oh, man, why does my neck hurt so much? Oh, yeah, my, I mean, my body's always hurting. Well, you're know. lifting a lot of shit, too, right? You got Well, I was. Now, I'm, I'm down, I don't really lift as much anymore with my new uh-huh. job. That's cushy. Yeah. What's the what? So what's the thing that you're working on right now? So I'm working on the shy. It's like a Showtime show. Uh huh. Produced by Common and Lena Waithe. Oh, okay. And this is the one about records, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that like no, the thing? No, this one. This one is like a. There's an HBO show then, like recently, that was like all about like vinyl. Oh I yeah. Mm-hmm. I I forget what it was called. But... All that, is this a little? It's a little too late for that sort of stuff, right? What? Like a show about vinyl, and it's like this is. This is past. Mm, I feel I, like the vinyl boom is past, right? I mean, it's kind of past. Like, no one's buying records right now. Yeah. I feel like I haven't gotten, I've gotten, like, one order for records in the past, like, six months. I was doing a, I was doing a, a sponsorship deal for this show and then a different one for, uh, for the other show that I do with David. Yeah. And, you know. We got we got a couple on that one, and I don't know what I got on this one, and I you know I don't think we should take that personally, but it's just I think it's just what it is, and people are just aren't buying them anymore. Yeah, I was talking to to Ralph who does not normal, and we're like, yeah, people just aren't buying stuff right now. It's just like yeah, I don't know. I try to as I much mean, as I can. Yeah, I try to buy like I haven't the last I think new record I bought was like that shit LP. Oh okay, and then. That's it. That's like one of the only things that got ruined when my, when my ceiling collapsed. Yeah, is because it was on my record player. And oh it right, just got like uh huh. It was just there. It was just, it was just there, there to be so like destroyed. A ton of like plaster just fell on top of it. Yeah, yeah. I got the uh, well. I pre-ordered the Chew record. I pre-ordered the new Candy record. So ooh, I saw. I I haven't listened to that band, but I just saw that name somewhere, and I was like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a good looking logo." They that's haven't a good done artwork. a they haven't done a bad thing yet, and the single for the LP is phenomenally good. They're coming here with I saw are they are they playing that terror show? They are on that tour, I believe. I think yeah. so. Wild, yeah. 
All right, so let's go back a little bit. You're let's in Florida. Back. You're in you're in West Palm Beach, and yeah. he's not doing the, he's not doing the oh, pizza yeah. place so, anymore. So he was doing pizza. My mom passed away. He found out his partner for the pizza place was stealing from him. Uh huh. It was a kosher pizza place. Yeah. Uh, so he was like, you know, instead of going to the police, just buy me out of the pizza place. Uh huh. So we bought him out. We moved to New Jersey. My dad became like a. My dad was went to school for like hotel management and stuff, and he was also like a pastry chef. So you know Shoprite. Oh, I know Shoprite. Yeah. So my right. dad was like a uh, a district manager for like three Shoprites, where he did like, but for their bakeries. Oh, so he did okay. all the recipes uh-huh. and stuff for their bakeries. Whoa. So we did that. And so then he's making cakes. Making cakes, making cookies, making breads. You name it, my dad's making it. Muffins. My dad's carrot muffins, my grandmother says, are the best thing she's ever eaten. I've never had them. but uh, Why not? I don't know. He won't make them for me. Really? Yeah. He's like, that That was a different time, son. He's like, different I'm time. He's like, he's like, I have the recipe, but it's for mass amounts. I'm not going to make you a mass amount of of carrot muffins you could just have them make one for the next I, show that you put on at margaritaville yeah except everybody there will be vegan and they won't want them how's yeah. he doing now it's it seems like there is there is a lot happening well, for the well, first half of your existence i mean he's fine now i mean we moved to florida he got into the antique paper business oh okay so he deals in antique paper memorabilia uh-huh Postcards, a, posters, it, right. luggage labels. Okay, sure. Photo albums. Is that working out? Yeah, he's he's work. It's working out. And then when I moved here, he got so my dad had got remarried again. They've been together for twelve years, thirteen years. Yeah. Uh, and How's they she? live in Vegas now. Oh, cool. Las Vegas. Yeah. Oh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. You know, sometimes I just say, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. But, yeah, Las Vegas. I spent a, I spent a weekend there one night. A wild weekend, I'm sure. Oh, I get that. That's was, that was a good one. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, how is it, I guess, for you, you got, you got a, a lot of uprooting, a lot of, like, different changes going on when you, when you settle down in Florida. Mm-hmm. How old are you? Uh... Middle fifth grade? How oh, okay. old are you in fifth grade? I don't know. Yeah. Ten? Ten. Yeah. You good? You feel like you're you feel like you're doing okay? Or are you Yeah, like... I think I'm doing okay. You know, I don't I think I wasn't like used to it by then. Right. Just like just going with it, so was there was there music in the house when you were growing up? Yeah. Uh there's one guy, uh Billy Joel. You ever heard of him? Oh yeah. You're there's a lot so of Billy from Joel. New York. Long Island. My dad uh-huh. is always like, I used to see Billy Joel when he, he just played clubs. There was like 15 people there, like little bars. Right, right. My dad loved Billy Joel. Damn. So there's That a was one. I got away. I got away unscathed on the Billy Joel front. My parents didn't like him. I remember my parents, like, the first time my parents played Springsteen in the house. Oh, yeah. I was in, like, fourth or fifth grade. And my parents were cool. They had a good yeah. taste in music. And then one night they're listening to Born to Run. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're with this guy? This freaking loser? You don't like that guy? I love him now. Oh. But I mean, back then, like, watch Bruce Springsteen sing and tell me he's not the lamest dude that's ever walked the planet. That, no, there's no way. He's a hero. He's a treasure. I believe that now, but I didn't believe it then. Watch Billy like, Joel sing. He's... I don't want to watch Billy Joel do anything. 
I I like hate watched that behind the music back in the day. I used to watch behind the music like all the oh, time. That's I've, what this this is behind the music. I've never, seen, um, I've never seen. It's fantastic. It's a really great program. You learn a lot. Um, you learn a lot about bands that you don't really care that much about because yeah. it was like when it was on late '90s and stuff like that. It's just all the hair metal stories. Yeah, and it's like. I don't give a fuck about Motley Crue or Poison, but oh, that's captivating care. stuff. Oh yeah. Um. So Billy. Okay. So Billy Joel is Billy in the Joel, house when you're growing up. Simon and Garfunkel. Uh huh. Dan Fogelberg. Yeah. Well, that stuff's a little bit better. Yeah. What about Super Tramp? What about the punk stuff? Punk stuff. Yeah. I so like since I was moving around so much, I didn't really. That's all I knew until like, I don't know until like seventh grade because it was like i didn't really have any concrete friends because i was moving around so much right it was before like i had the internet or whatever so it was so i didn't know anything Mm -hmm. and then i didn't start getting into punk till i was like in seventh grade when i like started to have like actual friends yeah who like were showing me stuff and that's that's pretty much what was it what was like I don't know, like Gorilla Biscuits or like... In seventh grade, Gorilla Biscuits? Yeah, like Hell seventh yeah. or eighth grade, it was like Gorilla Biscuits. Like, yeah, that, and I had a, a good friend who like loved Leftover Crack and like, yeah, I don't know, stuff like that. And The Gorilla Biscuits thing, I think is, it's, that band has a timelessness to it where like, I don't know, I feel like, I remember listening to that for the first time and I was getting into i think for me it was like the second and third wave of of bands that i was getting into right and gorilla biscuits is one of those bands that that start today doesn't sound very good and a lot of things i think when you're young like that and you hear like kind of weak guitar tones uh maybe shoddy production in comparison to like green day or something like that it's like eh, you know but that one really clicks and it has never not clicked for me i don't know i i i never got into green day like that that was never uh-huh. like a thing i ever really listened to and like i grew up in florida and like my area in florida was like bad beat down hardcore uh-huh like that's that was like it must have been like a capital for like yeah sure because it was where eulogy records was who right. did like Casey Jones, Evergreen uh-huh. Terrace, uh-huh. Uh, Kids Like Us, like super goofy stuff, like super goofy, like beat down hardcore. But that's all. I was like, yeah, this is my shit. This uh-huh. is, I'm I'm from South Florida. I had like right. a bishop hoodie with like, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, sure. So you were going to, so you you were that's where you start. You don't like yeah. graduate to that. Is, is yeah, what like you're saying, I started, basically. I mostly started like liking that kind of music. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it wasn't until like I moved to Chicago that I started like listening to more of the punk stuff or like. Right. So. So w- did you ever, do you play an instrument? No, I tried to play bass and uh-huh. I just don't think I'm coordinated enough. Right. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe. Did, but did you want to get involved in some way? Were you like doing anything as far as like booking shows down there or was it just like no i was mm-hmm. just like i would go to shows and like yeah hang out with people i uh-huh. like i was never like tapped into the vein there right sure and, w- and what year what year are we talking here so this is like when you're in high school like, yeah where are we at we're like so i think i graduated high school in what 2006 right 
Okay, so like yeah, two thousand three, two thousand four. Yeah. You're you're going to shows and like that's yeah. what's happening is yeah. that eulogy stuff. Yeah, and are are bands coming down to play in in West Palm Beach? Or are you going to like, let's say, I don't know, you wanted to see, uh, you wanted to see American Nightmare in two thousand three. Like, where would you go to do that? There's probably like House of Blues and like uh uh-huh. somewhere. Sure. I forget where it was. Were you that. doing that a lot or were you kind of staying? No, local? not really. I wasn't like getting out much. Uh-huh. I was like, you weren't getting out much? I didn't, I didn't have a car. I didn't know how to drive till I was 22 oh. and living here. Whoa. So I relied on friends. Why picking not? It. I don't know. I just never did. Uh huh. I just like never got my license. It was just like, I don't know. Who doesn't get their license? I just didn't. Okay. Just, my friends were always picking me up mm-hmm. and just driving me places. So yeah. it was never like something I needed. They were like, Eric, I'm coming to your place to get you. I was like, okay. 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 Yeah, All sure. Right. All yeah. right. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> so you come to Chicago and you come to do uh, film stuff at Columbia. Yeah. And that's when you start to meet people that are playing mm-hmm. music around here. Who yeah. are you, Who are you meeting? Like you talked about the person that you did the, the thesis for. Right. And then so there was a kid in my dorm. He was on the same floor as me. He was from... Morton Grove mm-hmm. and he was friends with Joey Cappell. Oh, okay. And so Joey, took, Ka- no, you, you have to realize that Joey Cappell on this show, he has a very long lineage. I'm sure. Yeah. It goes way back. Yeah. So he was like one of the first people I met at punk shows. I like one of my first times hanging out with him, like me and this kid, Kevin mm-hmm. met up with Joey on Belmont. And we go to the alley. Uh-huh. Joey steals and uh what is it? It's like a SSD patch from uh-huh. the alley because he said he was liberating it from he the He was alley. getting it out of Belmont and Clark, if yeah. you dare. Yeah. Right. And so it and if you there's like a so my first show was Blank Staring Black SS at Rancho Suevos. Oh, very nice. That was my That's first show. Second show was 86 Mentality at uh-huh. Albion House. Fucking right. And there's like a picture of Joey Capel and Diego on the internet and me uh-huh. in like the far background. Right. Like before we even like really like hung out. Like I'm just like in the background. But you were just, you were just there. You're like, all right. Like no one's ever. People are like, like who uh-huh. is this person? Why is he here? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why is he wearing a bishop hoodie? <laughs> Somebody's got to take this kid aside and let him know what's up. Well, that's so. Like, when did he? When did uh, Divine Right kind of come together or start to come together? I talked to uh, Jim, and he said there was there were many different lineups before the the four piece coalesces. Right. So Divine Right was like I'd been in Chicago for a few years. Uh, I was living in a house with some people over in Logan Square. Uh, one of my roommates was like, oh, we should do a band. And I had known this kid from college who played the guitar. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, we should do something together. And I was living also with, uh, do you, you know, Corey Pop? Mm-mm. He was in the Coden Armada. Oh, okay. So I was living with him because we went to school together too. Yeah. And we so we started practicing and we were about to record a demo. Uh Corey Pop uh, moved to Miami two weeks before we were supposed to record a demo without really telling anyone, which is weird because uh, we also live together. Yeah. 
Like, okay, we'll <laughs> oh. find someone to pay your so, portion of the rent, I suppose. Well, he was paying, I think he was paying like 50 bucks a month. He was living in like a closet. Oh, okay. Because he had just gone through like a bad breakup. So yeah. I was like, yeah, come. Oh, we have like sure, a it all makes sense. I should just go to Miami. Yeah. Let's just get out of Miami. here. Uh-huh. Well, what I think is, I think they like got back together and then moved to Miami together. I don't know. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, so we recorded the demo as a three-piece. Mm-hmm. We had this one kid that I knew from like a long time ago, but he was like into like Mad Ball and like played a five-string bass. <laughs> we got him to be in the band because I was like, oh, we'll uh-huh. get him because I still... Even though I was like starting to do things in the punk scene, I still didn't know that many people. Right. Like I wasn't really friends with a lot of people. Is it, mm. even though you're going to shows like that, are you uh, like, you, I think you and I are a little similar in the way that we go to places and then are kind of just there and we talk to the people that we already know and those yeah, are the only people that we're comfortable with. Yeah, and I kind of rely on like those people to introduce me to other people that they yeah. know. I'm not going to like walk up to you and just shake your hand. Yeah, I have like sure. friends that do that and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how anybody I don't know how to do that. that. Right. I, just, I don't want to talk to that person. Uh-huh. But I like, I don't know. I'll introduce myself to someone if like we're in a, like a close proximity. Yeah. And we're that, like in got... a big group discussion. I don't know. Uh-huh. But. So even though you're even though you're going to shows and there's a lot of people and right. everybody plays in four bands, yeah, it still it still takes its time. Mm-hmm. And and is it like you you just want to sing? You're just like I want, I've got this this urge to do this thing. Yeah, it was like it was like a fun thing to do with my friends. Uh huh. And I don't know. It was just like that's what I wanted. I want something something more to do. Right. And I wanted to somehow be a part of it and just like play shows and like, yeah. So, uh, we started playing shows. We had this kid in the band, but his schedule sucked. He couldn't, he was never ever able to play shows. He didn't like you cause you weren't tough enough. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't tough enough. I, w- I couldn't squat enough. Uh-huh. Uh, but what you happened know, was, if you put some basketball shorts on, maybe this would be working a little bit better. Well, so he was in the band. There was this kid. Everyone called him Negative Kevin. He was in the band. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember him. No. We kicked him out of the band because he was just like not that good of a drummer. Mm-hmm. He played drums. He wasn't a good drummer. Uh, Steven Kuntz from Human Mess and Loser Life had just moved here. Yeah. And him and I like. He's a California guy, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And him and I got along really well. And I asked him to play drums because I knew he was a good drummer. And yeah. So he started playing the band with me. This kid, Jason Devlantes, who's not really involved in anything anymore mm-hmm. and this kid adam who played bass adam couldn't play shows we had to we would say we could play shows and then adam would like the day before be like i can't play yeah so we'd have to like drop off so there was one show that we had been wanting to play i think it was with like Nightbirds or something oh okay and that's early Nightbirds then yeah and we wanted to play uh, Adam couldn't play or he could play then a week later couldn't, couldn't play, play. Uh-huh. so <laughs> I was calling so like I started making friends with some people and I was calling around to ask people to play bass for us for the show mm-hmm. first I called Antonio mm-hmm. 
this was like early Ron Irv. I knew right. he played bass. I yeah. called him. He Ron Irv is in an institution yet. Yeah, he can right. he can spare some time. He can spare some time. Uh huh. He couldn't do it. So I get I knew Jim because Jim and I went on the first Ron Irv tour. Oh okay. Just or, w- just went along. But yeah, yeah, I went along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I met Ralph, Antonio, all those guys, Joey Seeger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called Jim. Jim's like, yeah, I'll I'll do it. Which is like Jim in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's so he's so agreeable. Oh. And that's the lineup. That's the lineup how it how it coalesces. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned Ron Irv and that's kind of uh that's kind of what marks like that era of of the- hardcore in Chicago is is uh you know, Ron Irv and and those bands that are that are happening. Vile Vile Gash was the one that's on the tip of my tongue. But that was dark that was good, dark yeah. hardcore. And you kind of slide into that scene in a lot of ways, right? Well, yeah. My my roommate at the time was in Ron Irv, and like, that's how I met all those people, and that's kind of how I started going to more shows because I was I wasn't going to a lot of shows. I was like, I didn't have a lot of friends in the punk scene. Mm-hmm. My roommates were at the like before that had been like film kids. Yeah. Because that's all, those are the only, I was going to school full time. Those are the only people I was hanging out with. Uh huh. So I started hanging out with those people and I started going to more punk shows and hanging out with more of those people. And it was fun. Yeah. It was nice. That first Raw Nerve Tour was cool. I met a lot of cool people outside of Chicago. And, right. Kind of gets you going. Gets me going. So, so and, and Divine Right goes for a couple years. You put out. Think- LP on Derange. We put it on LP. We broke up before the LP came out. Why? Uh, You're not supposed to do that. So we we got asked to play Not Dead Yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had said we were going to do it. Our guitarist, Jason, uh, backs out a month before. Tells us his sister is going to have a kid. People have kids every day. Yeah. He's going to have a kid. Uh-huh. You don't have to be there. to see, You're not going to be in the room while she has the kid. Right. But he wants to be there anyway. Uh-huh. He doesn't even know if she's going to have the kid that weekend, but he says he's not going to be there. I'm not going to the be show. there. I got to have like a three-week window on each side. Right. So basically, I'm booked for the next two months. Might as well make it three months. But we, I want to be there for the whole third trimester, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, this... <laughs> Well, we, oh, let me, we had gone. We did Runner's last tour. Mm-hmm. It was four days. It was the worst. Why? Well, because they went like all the way to so New York did, and back did, in four days, right? Well, no, we did. What was it? It was like, I think this was Ralph's idea. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like a Ralph's idea. We played Pittsburgh. Uh huh. Which? Why do? You, there's no reason to play Pittsburgh unless like. Cause I have that. I have that shirt from the from oh, the yeah. last show, and right. yeah, it is. It's like it's Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh, Philly, Philly New, New York, York, and Raleigh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which like okay, the shows were like, the Pittsburgh show was not that great of a lineup. I don't. It was. I can't remember who was on it. Right. But it wasn't that great of a show. Uh huh. Philly. Oh, Philly was this really bad fest. That's okay. why we played Philly. It was like it was called Liberty Fest. Okay. And it had a great lineup. Awesome lineup. So many good bands. But whoever booked it didn't promote it. 
and there wasn't there was hardly anyone there besides the bands that had played Mm -hmm. but the lineup was awesome it was like urban blight leather fucking right vile gash Uh raw nerve uh i think backslider played i don't there was like yeah Uh, how do you fuck that up so bad Uh salvation sure it was like it was like hype bands around that time like big mm-hmm. bigger bands people cared about yeah for sure but no one was there uh-huh. besides the bands <laughs> and the fest was being held in this huge art space uh-huh. like a big warehouse right but the kid who had booked the fest didn't clear it with the guy who owned the space that he could do in this big warehouse space it was supposed to be in a smaller room uh-huh. that was connected to the warehouse space so the owner shows up halfway through the fest and was like what are you doing in this room he's like Oh, uh, we're doing the fest here, and he goes, "I, you didn't rent this space. I want you out of here." And kicks the whole fest out. Right. He can't even go to the room. Can't no. even transfer the room. No. You're just straight up straight out of here. Out. So, uh-huh. so half like there was like a few bands left. It was like Raw Nerve, Leather, I think Vile Gash, Salvation, and so the show got moved to like a bar, <laughs> like somewhere in somewhere in Philly. Right. And, we, and the show was actually like good there yeah like it was better at this bar because you're in like a like condensed space, space and so it, it felt like there were way more people right <laughs> that bar must have been so thrilled because you know uh, a fucking festival with all these straight edge bands is just gonna be great for business i, I don't yeah <laughs> yeah it was great and it, there's like a video of us playing from that fest uh-huh. And it was very awkward because it's just like a stage in the middle of the room with like no one there. Right. And it's a small. It's not even like a big stage. It's small, so it's like we can all barely fit up there. Uh huh. <laughs> like I'm like kind of like up there, just like in one spot. It's interesting that you bring that up. The fact that you're in a cramped space like that, because like I watched a video of Divine Right at summer camp. Right. Um, and you have already got something that you'd still do today with rash where you're just pacing right back and forth and that's something that i really like about about what you do when you're performing is that you have that pace going and you have a lot of like nervous energy happening was that something that you started doing right away or is that something that you kind of grew into i i think i Start doing it right away. I don't. I don't know. I just. It, it. I don't even think it was something that was. Uh, like I was thinking about. Uh huh. Like I just. It was just like a reaction. Did you like kind of become conscious of it then? Because like, then you start like now you're dragging the microphone around. And right. It's like you really have like a performative aspect to it, which is something that I find really interesting about. Uh, the front person is that it is the most like stagey performative uh you know role that one could take in a band like i think i did it at a show once and people in the band were telling me that they liked it yeah i like that you had done that and i was just like i'm just gonna keep doing it why not it's Uh like well what you do do is that you you build this energy and watching it it's like this person is about to snap and it's like it's just really like rock solid and seems like very deliberate Mm -hmm. um you know 
I guess, do you think about like that aspect of, of doing things? Are you like conscious of it and thinking about like how to expound upon that? Or is it just, you know, as you said, something that you like notice and you're like, oh, okay, I'll just continue to do this. Yeah, I think it was like a conscious decision to keep doing it, but it's also just like, it's not even like I'm making the decisions. It's just like, I was, I'm just doing it. It's, it's not like, I'm doing it on purpose. It's just like my, it's just like a reaction to playing. It's just my way of like being in the front. Just it's like, like getting kind of hyped up for yeah, it, right? I, it's just like the way I deal with it or. Yeah. And you're afforded that, which is nice because if you have an instrument, you have yeah. to. <laughs> right. Because you'll watch a band, the guy just like stands there or there's like a mic stand. He just stands behind there and it's just yeah. like kind of boring. and. Uh-huh. And you're getting it. You're getting it going. So, 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 divine right ends. Did you want to start doing something right away, or did you no. think that this was well, done? So we went and played Not Dead Yet. Uh, Ralph filled in on bass because our guitarist can do it. Jim played guitar because Jim can play anything because he's okay. amazing at everything. I did see a picture of Ralph playing bass, like when I first started doing research. So that was yeah. from Not Dead Yet. Not Dead Yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see that photo. I don't think I've ever seen that. It's on Brooklyn Vegan. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then we come back from Canada, uh, and that Canada was kind of a nightmare, uh, just because like it was time to play our set and we couldn't find our drummer, uh-huh. and we're in Canada and we don't have cell phones. Yeah. Uh, so and we ended up playing our set late because I we had no idea where he was. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. And at that point, it was, like, for Jim and I, it, like, wasn't really, like, fun anymore. Like, we weren't, like, having a, that great of a time mm-hmm. in the band anymore. Right. And the LP hadn't come out yet, but Deranged was going to do it. Uh, Which is a big deal. It is a big deal, and I felt really bad. And Jim and I were talking a bunch about it and, like, just decided didn't want to do it anymore. Just... Yeah. It didn't... Didn't feel good anymore, and uh-huh. uh, dealing with Jason, the guitarist, was like a headache. It was yeah. like it was such a pain. But he was like writing the songs, but he was still like we were friends. But it was just like I th- it was like kind of ruining the friendship, mm-hmm. and we just didn't want to do it anymore. So I I broke up the band. I called everyone. Uh, I told him I didn't want to do it anymore. Emailed Gord from Deranged. Told him that. I was really sorry, and he was already in the process of pressing the record. He said he understood, you know. Yeah. Uh, he just said he was going to do a smaller pressing. So he did a smaller pressing. We never played. Our last show was Not Dead Yet, and that was it. Damn. We never played a last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the record came out, and no one cared. Yeah. And that's fine. <laughs> it wasn't even that good of a record. Uh, I disagree, actually. I really like, especially the way that that record ends um you know pray for me when i'm listening through divine right stuff and then i go into rash pray for me is kind of like what i find to be the link yeah because that song kind of sits in this like real heavy like stasis Mm -hmm. and you know you're yelling kind of this over and over again pray for me and and that's the space that rash like occupies really well and 
you know, it's like Divine Right is ugly and Rash is fucking hideous. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. Um. So don't shit on it too bad. It's good. Well, it's, it'll always like be that thing where that I'm not like super like, like I'm proud of it, but it's also like, it was like my first band and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was just kind of so like a trial, think, I guess. Right. So when Rash starts up, mm-hmm. you know, are you, what are you thinking that you want to do differently? Uh, Well, we didn't really know. It was like Jim and I, it was like maybe like a year and a half after Jim and I had talked about like doing another band. Uh-huh. Uh, and we had tried playing with some people and it didn't work out. And then Skyler had just moved here not too long ago, and he was having trouble like finding people to play music with. And yeah, that's all. Skyler loves playing music with everyone. Yeah, I remember when he started at Streets. That was like the first thing. He was like, "I heard you like Lifetime. Do you know who plays?" Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he just like couldn't right, find dude. anyone to like yeah. settle on a concrete band with him. It was like all these like little practices here and there, but no one committed, and. He had moved in with this kid Jesse, uh-huh. and Jesse played music. He was he used to be in like weird grind bands back in high school, uh-huh. and Jesse was living here, and he didn't really know anyone. And then we just he brought he was like, oh, why don't we, my roommate Jesse can play guitar? And Jim and I were like, okay, yeah. And we had a first practice, and we wrote like two songs and it was like great right like a lot of fun and yeah then we all just started getting closer yeah it's it's interesting because i don't think it's like i feel like both of those bands they're they're different but they're also like similar in in a lot of ways because there's like jason and jesse both write these like kind of catchy like very like early 80s uh like Mm -hmm. early hardcore riffs right but both of these bands like envelop a lot of noise on top of it mm-hmm. and like could just kind of like muck it up a little bit. Right. But there's a bounciness and like a bop to both of them. There's something that you can like really latch on to. Yeah. It's interesting the way that like these two are, are linked in that, in that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's like not a continuation, but it's, it works and it fits with what you're doing very well. Right. Did you feel an excitement like that of like, like, yeah, I've, I feel very like fit to be the front person of this band for rash. Yeah. It was like, like it was just like, like at practice, basically what I do is like freestyle over like whatever they're like playing. Uh-huh. And that's how we write songs and just find out a vocal pattern. And it's just, it's, but it was very catchy and it was like a lot of fun and yeah. And everyone kind of has like, comes from like different kind of backgrounds of like stuff they liked. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a weird mix and it was a lot of fun. I feel like, you know, by the time you get to Skinner Box, like your voice evolves into like kind of a more throaty and like desperate feel to it where Divine Right, you're like kind of, especially in the mix, like your voice is like a little bit more like barrel chested mm-hmm. and like on top and distorted and you know on rash stuff it's like it's in the back a little bit it's yeah. reverbed and it's like real real desperate sounding is that something that you kind of found yourself evolving into or were you kind of more conscious of that no it's it was an evolution and it was 
I mean, our recording, the way we recorded changed and just the way we were writing songs was different. And like the kind of songs we were writing, like Skinner Box is so much different from the demo. Yeah. Like the demo is like a little more just like straight up hardcore. And and then there's just like a noise passage at the end. Yeah. And that that last song was kind of like the evolution to like the next record. And then right. the record after that and we're now writing a new record and we're we're actually a lot more conscious of the how we're writing it like in what way the way we're trying to write this record is kind of like we write one song we're trying to make it like one steady flow like like write a record write an album we're writing an album but we're writing it like how's this next song going to transition to the next song like Mm -hmm. we want we want to just we're trying to write it like number one and then do it in order. Yeah. And make it just a steady flow. That seems like it could be arduous. Is it like good? Is there good energy in that? Or is it like it's, it's a process mm-hmm. and we've we've been it's it's hard because we've scrapped like we'll like work on one riff for like a month and then be like we're tired of this and just like scrap that whole song Mm -hmm. and so we're i think we're like six songs in wow and one of the songs we wrote around the same time as when the rash chew split came out okay so So it's it's got that energy yeah because that thing is fast right that fucking chew split is like fat it's not like the fastest shit you've ever done Mm mm-hmm and that I like, I like. Those I songs love a it. Lot. I love it. Honestly, though, my favorite like rash shit is like hole under a soapbox, oh, where yeah. you're just like, you're getting into that like that level of discomfort, and like mm-hmm. you're really turning it. I remember when we recorded that, Jesse was like, because just at practice, it's like hard to pay attention to my vocals because he's playing. So then when we're recording, mm-hmm. he's like, "You sound like a crazy person." I love that. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's like fun to be able to do that because normal day I can't really do that. It's like, right. It's like at work. So it's, like, and that's like, yeah, that's kind of the thing when I, you know, when I watch you and when I listen to you, it's that feeling of just like he's channeling something that is in everybody. Right. There's this line on, on hunting humans where you say there's a tiny nagging, tearing, growing in my brain. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody has that in some form. And it's it's like moving to see how you tap into it. Right. And have this way to act it out and express violence that's not harming mm-hmm. or and it's not <laughs> you're not gonna like yell at your coworkers or anything right. like that it's channeled into this good thing and this good release which is like it's one of the most moving things about hardcore i think is that it's all about that release right and it's like my only i guess it's, it is my only outlet it's like most of the time i mean most people who talk to me like are like very nice guys like i i sometimes don't even like show very many emotions and I'm very monotone, very, I try to be 
I guess I try to be stoic, just like, just. Where be, do you think that comes from? I, th- it's just like it's always been the energy that I've that I've had coming from you is that you're just you're even keeled. I I don't know. It's just. I I, I don't know. I, don't I know, know how to describe that, it. I know it's that like, it's like super psychoanalytic, but yeah, I think it's just the way I am. I don't know. It's like the only way I know to process mm-hmm. with my emotions with the way i am yeah it's just like i once went on a on a date with a girl and it was like a tinder date and she was like you know you're you're kind of uh emotionless and i go i go to her i go yeah i've been working really hard on this <laughs> this takes years of practice but i think there's like that don't take this the wrong way. I won't, I promise. But it's that feeling of like Norman Bates sits down and you're like you're just looking at him and you're like, Oh, this guy's gonna he's gonna lose it by the end of this. I think that like that's what you really tap into really well with this band, is that feeling that like oh he's going off the freaking rails here yeah and sometimes i I feel like it i don't know i think Um, everybody does right yeah Yeah. i think that it's like it's misleading to think that it's it's a unique trait right to certain people and i feel like a lot of my lyrics are like about how i'm not different or special from anyone i'm just like i'm just well you're you're hard on yourself in your lyrics though i'm a a rat i'm a you know a piece of shit all of this stuff there's a there's a part of me that like you know as a as a friend i'm just like come on no you're not well i think a lot of the times it's like i am singing about myself but i'm also like projecting onto myself qualities i don't like about other people but not uh-huh. singing about those people and more or less make making about myself right like i'm taking on their traits and it's, you can like take it all so in. i'm not like i'm mm-hmm. saying like i don't like you right patrick mm-hmm. Nordyke. Uh, well no. nobody does no one does <laughs> uh no but it's like it's like i don't like this about that person but i'm not gonna say their name i'll just say it about myself yeah that's interesting Cause it's like, it's almost like this pile on effect that happens, which is sort of what happens in your music is, is a, like a pile on of like noise and, and chaos. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, do you feel like it's what, what you need out of that, out of that release out of, you know, the negativity that like you, you do carry? Yeah. And I mean, I start to really feel it. Like, I went to Thailand for like twenty three days, uh-huh. and it was like, I like missed it. It was like being at practice like every week, and yeah, it was just like I had been missing something. Or like, Jim went to Japan for like a month. How dare he? And it was like, uh-huh. it's like you just kind of miss it, and when you come back, it just feels good it's like, right it's like your exercise yeah it's like exercise it's like an outlet mm-hmm. so and you're in thailand especially like there's 
there's no rage in that place at least not in the northern part of it right and it was it was really weird because it was like i was there for 23 days and i mean we had talked about this a little while ago but like i don't just go up to people and like introduce myself so it was like i was like 23 days alone in thailand like i didn't speak to anyone wow there was like a few people i spoke to and it was like I was wearing an Infest shirt at a, at a flea market and some kid came up to me and told me that Infest was one of his favorite bands. Uh-huh. And then he started talking to me about weekend nachos. <laughs> and I didn't even like tell him I was from Chicago. Yeah. He, he was like, I flew to Indonesia to see weekend nachos. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I know, John. Right. And <laughs> That's insane. Also, like your first, your first like conversation in, in however many weeks. Yeah. And then... Like, I got the kid's name, and I was, like, excited. I'm like, oh, I know someone in Thailand. Uh-huh. Cool. And I was like, I hit him up, and he, like, ghosted me. What? Rude. I was like, hey, man, next time, like, because, like, I was in Bangkok, and then I was going to Chiang Mai. hmm And I was like, hey, when I get back, maybe we can hang out and do something, or if there's a show or something, you know, just because I, like, I was craving, like, just, like, doing something with someone i didn't care right right yeah just like Uh uh-huh and then when i came back to bangkok like i i like tried hitting him up and i didn't hear anything damn yeah i'm sorry it's okay that's life right what is it but like i i think that that's it's interesting maybe it's just interesting because it's hitting me where i'm home alone this weekend and i i left the house twice in the past 48 hours but that uh that headspace of like not talking to anybody for that long. I can mm-hmm. feel like I can feel it creep like halfway through the day where it's like it's uh one thirty in the afternoon. If I don't leave the house now, I'm not going to. I probably should. I I kinda get that way now sometimes about shows. Like I haven't been going to the as many shows. It's like I work sixty hours a week. Right. I'm around like other people for like 12 to 14 hours a day it's like hard for me after work to be like okay i'm gonna go to this thing uh let me go stand sh- let me somewhere, go stand somewhere for five for, bands for five bands uh i'll get home at 12 31 i'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and then work for 12 hours yeah no and feel like garbage and it's uh-huh. like it's hard for me now to go to shows but it's, but sometimes I'll be like, okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna go out, I'll go to the show. I haven't seen these people in a long time. And then I'll go there and I'll, I'll be happy. I went. It's and it's great, but it's hard for me to convince myself to go out. Welcome to thirty. Yeah, dirty thirty. Um, thriving. Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think the one of the things that I was thinking about is that, you know, when you were doing divine right it was you know it was a pretty solid crew of of bands that were that were doing the mm-hmm. thing and and rash has now been a band for you know five years you're pretty much geriatrics as far as like the hardcore band lifespan right. goes um but you know you, you continue to to do this thing you do the ep and the split with chew last year and like where do you think where do you think y'all fit within Chicago right now? Because it's definitely different than it was five years ago. Uh, it's different, and I think 
I don't know if like Rash has some sort of stigma. I, I mean, I we don't really get asked to play that many shows. No one really cares, I think. And I mean, do you think really? That's kind of how I feel. Uh huh. It's like we don't get asked to play a lot of the DIY shows anymore. And yeah. Uh, I would right. like to, but I'm not. I I'm not going to ask to play a show, like a. Uh huh. So we just kind of wait. Is that something that you? I'm sure you all talk about that. That's I not brought just it the, up. That's and, not the thing. I mean, we we are playing shows. We play shows, but it ends up being like an empty bottle show, right? Or like I don't know. We you're not with, playing at 2040. Yeah, we're not playing 24. Uh, we haven't played there in a long time. I, not to like you know get too speculative or you know i don't want to have you saying things that you're not comfortable like saying with the idea that people are hearing it but you know it's do you take that personally or Uh, do you do you think about like what is it that we're not doing right or what we're doing something that's not in vogue right now maybe yeah it's like i guess it bums me out a little yeah i would like to play more DIY spots or like play with some of my friends bands, but I feel like we get passed over and maybe it's just because we've been around for too long, but I mean, it's still something that everyone in the band really likes doing and we're having fun with each other. And they're like now three of my best friends and it's just like something to do with my best friends. Yeah. You know? So like even this morning is like Skylar, Jesse, Hannah and I all went and got breakfast. That's it's like nice. the people I like hang out with. Uh huh. Right. And they're the people that I like reach out to me regularly to hang out. Other than that, I don't really hear from many people to, to hang out because I'm not around as much because I'm working. Because you got this work schedule that's kind of takes up my life. Right. Unless you're not doing it, and then you got all this free time. Right. Is that kind of where high fashion comes in for you? Is that where it fits in when you're like, all right, I got some time off, I can like put it into doing the label kind of and i try to do it while i'm working it's hard because i'll be the last thing i want to do is like get to my computer and like fill out paperwork and like send uh-huh. in artwork right and like talk to people in bands but i'm working on seven inch right now and I'm waiting on test presses so it's good if it's in a good it's a good thing for you to continue to do yeah and i've been talking about like maybe like branching out and like doing a collaborative label with someone and like that'd be cool it'd be cool you know i feel like that's something that's like that's something that i would like to see more Mm -hmm. is people getting involved not everybody doing their own thing right i don't i don't really know i don't really know how to how to tap into the to the feeling otherwise but like we need we need we need more more people doing together and 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 there feels like there's a there's a separateness to like every thing every scene here lately you mm-hmm. know it's not just hardcore but it's like even like you know the the pop punk and and emo world there's like different like splinters that are happening oh it's yeah like, there's like there's so many like weird like subgenre like groups in Chicago yeah. Like, garage i want because that was the thing that was the thing that kind of bummed me out is like i feel like i missed out on uh you know i always i always think of it as like the mousetrap and like summer camp era where it was Mm -hmm. just 
bands playing together that don't fit, but they're all bands that are playing some form of punk. Right. And that's enough. Right. Doesn't happen anymore. Everybody's doing separate things. You we gotta we gotta figure it out. We gotta we gotta yeah, make town meeting. Uh huh. Sit down. Get a bunch of chairs. I'll do it, but I I don't I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna want to come out after eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go home. I have to walk my dog. Probably take my shoes off. I'm not gonna leave the house. Yep. I feel you. It's great having you come over though. Yeah. Finally. Yeah getting you on this thing it's been months i know let's uh let's hang out we can watch some wcw okay that are like uh i really like (laughs) rom-coms got you've got mail Mm, perfect you've got mail i do like my star crush is probably meg ryan french kiss All right, hey, my dude, Eric, the stoic figure, the workhorse, the homie, great stuff. Loved to get in there on what he channels as a writer and a performer and a contributor to things locally and to things out there. Thankful that he took the time to come chat and to chat candidly. I do love his band. They've only gotten better and more distinctive as they've gotten older. I cannot wait to see what comes next. Check out Rash online, rashchicago.bandcamp.com, highfashionindustries.bandcamp.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Tell a friend about the show. We're on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. Like us on Facebook. You can send me a message on there. Email is betteryetpodcast.gmail.com. Listen to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, and my other, other show, Postmarkdom, Matter Perspectives in Professional Wrestling. And thank you so much. Thanks to Eric. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. This is the verse that cements it all. Come back next week. Thanks, folks. The biggest wheels of industry Retire the shopping short And after dinner overtures And nothing but an afterthought Somebody's creeping in the kitchen There's a reputation to be made Whose nerves are always on a knife's edge Who's a plate polishing the blade Love is always covering or cowering upon it You drink yourself insensitive and hate yourself in the morning Tonight